get your notes out, and uh, we're going to go right into the Word today, and, and I want to share some things in today and next Sunday in preparation for Easter Sunday. But this message works year-round, but we're just using it to kind of get us as a church ready for this big day called Easter, because every one of us must understand today that God has given us a sphere of influence that He wants us to manage. Every one of us in this room, we're different. We come from different walks of life. How many glad you go to a diverse church? Amen, where everyone don't look the same, act the same, and come from that same mold, all right? That there's diversity here, whether it's race, whether it's uh, age, whether it's social standing. Uh, we, we're just such a diversity, but if heaven's going to look like this, why shouldn't the church down here? And, and, and we let our differences strengthen us, not divide us here. And so I, I love it. But what you have to understand is that God's put you where you are. He, he formed you the color you are. He gave you the gifts you have. He, he put you on the job you're on. He, he has you live where you live. He put the passions in your heart. All of those things dictate our sphere of influence, the people that are around us every day. Hunters hang out with hunters. That's why I love hunters. And, and if you love golf, you're going to hang out with golfers. And if you like to fish, you're going to hang out with people that fish. If, if you like to shop, you'll meet my wife before time goes too far. And, uh, and so there, there's so many things, but your passions will also dictate your sphere of influence. So what I want you to understand is that God has put you right where you are, and he's put the people specifically in your sphere of influence because he wants you to make impact in their life and manage that sphere of influence. And so as we go through this, I want us to look at it because Jesus went, and Jesus always dealt in small groups. If you didn't notice that in Scripture, he would preach to the thousands, but he ministered in small groups. He always had a small group. That's why he chose 12, not 120, because he could have impact on 12 that they could go have impact on the 120 and the 1,200. And so when we understand that, he must uh, uh, chose that 12, and he went and he called them, and he called unchurched people, he called fishermen, he called unreligious people, and he said, look, I want you to come and follow me, and here's what he told them, and here's the message today. He said, I want you to come and follow me, and I will make you into something. I'm going to turn you into something you're not right now. And, and it's bigger than just, I'm going to not just make you more spiritual. I'm not just going to make you a better father or a better preacher or better this. He, he said, but there's something I want to turn you into. And it goes for every one of us in this room today, regardless of who we are. He said, I'm going to make you what? Fishers of men. He said, I, I'm not just going to do something spiritual in your life, but I'm going to help you go transform the lives of other people and change their life forever and for eternity. I'm going to give you the opportunity to drastically change other people's lives. And, and this freaks people out today, this, this term called evangelist or evangelism or sharing the faith. A lot of people like, I love church preacher, but that going out and talking to people, just not my thing. How many has been there? And, and I don't say that to belittle you because you're looking at a guy that took straight zeros all the way through high school, 12th grade, when it come time to stand in front of anybody and give a report about anything because I was terrified, you know what I'm saying? I learned how to write three sentences at one time. I will give report in class and lie on every one of them. All right, I got whippings. My dad will whip me because I bring F's home. And I, in my mind, I said this. I didn't say it out loud because he would have. But in my mind, I'm going, you can whip me till I bleed, but I can't do it. You know, and I didn't tell him that because he would have, okay? But, uh, but it was a thing that I was terrified, but I get to do this for a living now. 
Because when Jesus gets a hold of you, he'll take a Peter that denied Christ publicly and then turn him into a preacher that declared and 3,000 people got saved. And, and here's what I want you to understand. And I want to destroy some myths and some fears about this thing called evangelism or soul winning or witnessing or sharing your faith, whatever tag you want to put on it. I want to release you from many of the fears and pressures of that today and let it become fun for you, all right? And, and easy for you. And so let's look at this because many of us, we have this warped idea or, or thought pattern of what an evangelist is because we have this picture. How many grew up in church like me? I mean, you just kind of grew up in church and, and the evangelist was that guy that would show up for a week revival or something or you would see him out under a tent and he's in a suit and tie and, and he's got a microphone in his hand and he's spitting and I did that for years, okay? So I'm not criticizing, all right? And, and you're up there preaching your heart out and sweating and spitting and sputtering and, and you're making that altar call and you're either gonna get right or go to hell, okay? Anybody with me? All right, and I'm glad I'm doing it this way now. I'd rather tell people how to get to heaven rather than not, you know. And, uh, and so, but that was the evangelism. We have that mindset, so when the preacher gets up and goes, you need to go share your faith, we're kind of like, I ain't doing that. And Jesus don't want you to. All right, and I want to kind of help remove some of that from you today because that's not what he's asking for. Because here's what I want to ask you. How many can remember, how many right now, if I said who had the most spiritual influence in your life to get you where you are today spiritually. How many could think of somebody? Immediately, right? Let me ask you this. What was their impact like in your life? Was it yelling, screaming, you're going to hell? Or was it like kindness and love and caring and some time? Is that not what most people did to impact your life? Can I tell you, that's all Jesus is asking you to do too. It's not to get out there on the street corner with a bullhorn telling everybody they're going to hell and I'm not criticizing people that are doing that. At least they're out there. Okay, but what I am challenging you today is that's not what God's asking you to do. He's asking you to identify your sphere of influence at work, where you live, your family, the people you have hobbies with, the things that you do things, the people you do things with. God's saying, I want you to begin to manage that. And here's the title of the message today, Impact Through Invite. Impact Through Invite, how to change people's lives just through the impact of an invite. Here's what Jesus said in Mark 16. He's saying this to his followers. He's about to leave the earth, and he says, you'll be my witnesses. Nope, that's the wrong one. He said uh, to his followers, go everywhere in the world and tell the good news to everyone. He's about to leave here, so the most important message he could leave with his followers is what he's going to say at this point. And what did he say? He said, I, I want you to go everywhere in the world and do what? Just tell the good news. Just tell the good news to everyone. And that's what God's call is for every one of our lives today. How many's glad you're not called to do this? Anybody want to do this next Sunday? Okay. Uh, maybe this isn't what you're called to do, but you know what? You're called to do something. And what is that? We're going to talk about that now because every one of us have a call of doing this scripture. What is that? Just tell the good news to everyone wherever you go. Acts 1.8 makes it even more simple for us to understand. He says, you shall be my what? Witnesses in where? Jerusalem. That's your, your sphere of influence where you're at right every day in Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And, and I'm in courts often. I, I deal with a lot of people. We do, we do ministry way that go uh, 
outside this building. We're in court a lot with different families and different situations. And, and I'm in court so much, there's people think I'm an attorney. They try to hire me often. Like, are you you attorney? You, can we talk to you? And I'm like, no, I'm a preacher, okay? And, uh, and then they know you're for free. So then they really want you, all right? But, but here's the thing. There's, there's three people that you're going to meet in court. And this is what he's saying here. Because when you go to court, obviously there's a judge, but then there's a prosecutor. And the prosecutor is the one that's trying to cause guilt, to make accusation, and to bring charges against you. And they're usually very obnoxious, and I'm, I'm a vouch for that, okay? And then there's defense attorneys that are present. And we happen to have one of the top 10 defense attorneys in the state of Florida that's a member of this church and, and a regular tender here. And, and the defense attorney now is to defend that person uh, to, to bring the other side of the story there. And, and then there's what? The witnesses. Now, God did not call you or I to be the prosecutor or the defense attorney. He did not call me to prosecute, to judge those because of their, their, their guilt or whatever. And he didn't call me to defend the word of God or my faith. You don't need to defend God's word. You just need to live it. Are you with me? And, and too many out there trying to get into a debate to defend it when God just wants you to walk it out. But he didn't call us to prosecute or defend, but he did say we're his witnesses. You know what a witness does? They tell their side of the story. That's all he's saying. You're my witnesses. You know what that means? I just want you to tell what you've seen. I want you to tell what you know. And I want you to tell what's happened in your life. How, how are you a part of this? And that's what God is saying when he says, you shall be my witnesses. Go tell the good news to everyone that you see. It's not to go try to prosecute or defend. It's just go tell what you've seen. Go tell what you know. Go tell your side of the story. And that's what your friends and those that are in your sphere of influence are needing today. They're not looking for this three-point, two-sub-point, homiletically outlined message that's got it all down. They just want your story. What happened to you? What, what did you see? What, what has happened in your life because of Jesus? And, and a Gallup poll put it like this. The most recent Gallup poll says there's 65 million people in America that did not go to church today. 65 million, 34 million of those 65, so over 50% said they would have gone if someone had personally invited them. And so God's not asking you to go out there with a bullhorn, a two-pound Bible, and stand at every street corner and win all of Pensacola to Jesus. He's just saying, go be a witness every day to your sphere of influence. What is that? That's your warm market. That's where you're comfortable. These aren't strangers that don't know you. These are people that know your life. He's saying, just go make an impact in your sphere of influence. Go out there and share your story. Go be a witness of what I have done in your life and let them know. Because listen, how many of you would acknowledge today over 50% of the people that you spend most of this week with are going to be unsaved, unchurched people? Come on, am I right about it? And so Jesus is saying, I just want you to go make impact in there. You don't have to preach to them, just share. Just be a witness to what I've already done in your life. Do you know the number one topic in teenagers, the Gallup poll said? Guess, anybody have a guess on what the number one topic teenagers want to talk about today? We would think sex and pornography and drugs and all those things that we always want to combine teenagers to. But you know what the number one topic teenagers want to discuss today? Spirituality. Spirituality. How to connect with God better. Shocking, isn't it? 
But it's really not because we see that on Wednesday nights right here in this church. That every Wednesday night, this coming Wednesday night, there'll be somewhere between 70 and 80, 90 young people, teenagers in here serving God, worshiping God, going after God. And, and the first Wednesday night of every month, we do a, a combined service like we had Wednesday night. An awesome time here as we come together as a church and just worship and communion and, and pray over needs and all and, and just have a great church service together. But then this coming Wednesday night, the second Wednesday night of every month, our youth take over this sanctuary and they have their own band. And, and they go after God and Pastor Ryan preaches an awesome message on Tuesday night and, and 10, 15, 20 young people will come to Jesus practically every month on that Wednesday night service. That's their evangelistic night and it's powerful. That's why on, on our second service at 10 o'clock, there's tons of young people over here, but over 50% of our teenagers on Wednesday night don't show up on Sunday yet because they're just getting saved. And, and the number one way this church is growing right now is teenagers are getting saved on Wednesday night and they're going home and showing a different life to their parents. And we've literally, some are sitting in here right now, came to see what kind of a cult we were. Because, hey, no church could change my children like that. That's right. Some are sitting in here right now. They know I'm telling the truth because that's what they told me. We just come to see what kind of a cult y'all were. And then they got saved too. Yeah. Amen. Amen. That's them clapping, by the way. All right. And what is it? is they're hungry, but here's what I've said, all that to say this, then the next two Wednesday nights, they break up in small groups and they dialogue and they talk their faith, they talk the gospel. And do you know what? We have more teenagers come for those small groups than we do for the big service because they wanna talk. They wanna dialogue. They wanna know more about spirituality. And can I tell you this? So do all the people in your sphere of influence. They're hungry and they're just waiting for you to go tell your story. And so God's speaking to our hearts about this today. And so we've got to come and understand today, my goal as a pastor, and I've said this many times here, is not to build this church. I, I have no ego. As long as that beautiful lady on the front row wants to go home with me, I have nothing I need to prove to anybody. All right? So I'm not here. My number one goal is not to build this church. It's to help build you. And if I can help build you and build me and you help build me, we're going to make better impact in the sphere of influence that we have and change this community for the hope of Jesus. But here's the thing. My, my target is to help educate, equip, and encourage you to leave here every Sunday and go make impact in your sphere of influence. Because here's the fact. People that are drowning, that are around you every day, they, they're not looking for you to know the Greek word for a life raft. And they're not waiting for you to dance with it on the ship. They just want you to throw them one. Now here, they don't know, they're not interested in how your church went Sunday. They want to know, throw me that life wrap. Tell me your story. Tell me what Jesus can do for me. But I want to hear what he did for you first. And that's what those in your, your sphere of influence are looking for. Because here's a fact. Followers of Jesus fish. Followers of Jesus' fish, come and follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Second Timothy, and I'm going to give you several scriptures today that are not in your notes, which lets you know I keep studying after I turn my notes in on Wednesday, okay? But Second Timothy, here it is, it says, preach the word of God. Be prepared whether the time is favorable or not. And here's the part I want you to get, work at. I mean, besides me, can still do better. Work at, just keep doing it until you get better. Just keep doing it until you get better. Work at telling others what? The good news and fully carry out the ministry that God has given you. 
And every one of us, though our, our talents and our gifts vary, we all have the same ministry. And that's why sharing the good news, telling our story to other people that they can find Christ too. You see, God has gone out of his way. And I, I, I'm such a believer in this. I, I teach this every time I talk about prayer. And I teach on prayer. And I do a prayer small group here every Saturday at 10 o'clock if you want to come and learn how to pray more effectively. And, and one of the things I teach in that is that every day of our lives, God has set up a divine appointment with us and someone else. I believe that. Totally believe that. And every day of our life, God has intentionally assigned someone to cross your path that needs your story. I'm firmly convinced of that. And I watch that happen every day in my life because I'm looking for it. I'm watching for that person every morning before I enter the world as I ask Jesus, help me to be spiritually alert and prepared and ready so when that person crosses my path, I know it and I'm ready to speak into their life. And God will do that in your life. But God has intentionally assigned people and, and gone out of his way to put people in your path every day because he's depending on you to make a difference by just sharing as a witness the story of what you've seen what you've heard, and what you know about Jesus. So I want to share four points with you very quickly that you need to have active in your life, and I in mine, if we're going to be effective of this. So how many wants to work at? Anybody with me? Let's work at. Anybody inside of me want to get better? And, and let's go make impact because, listen, if Jesus took 12 people and gathered them around him that were uncouth and unlearned, and they were, they were headaches sometimes, but yet through those 12 men, we're still telling the story that they told. I just think the 500 plus that gathered here today can make a difference on Pensacola if we just get the same message. Are you with me? And so I want you to really follow me on these four points. Number one, if we're going to be effective in impact through invite, we must what? be aware of those that are around you. This is your ministry, God's expectation of you. This is God's plan for you, is to be aware of the people that God puts around you every day. In Romans, we see in chapter 10, he says, how then, how then can they call on the one that they have not believed in, and how can they believe in the one whom they've not heard? Watch this. And how can they hear without someone preaching to them, and how can someone preach Unless they're sent. And the preach word there doesn't mean you've got to do this. They just want to hear your story. What has Jesus done for you? And who is he in your life? And you've got to become aware of the people that surround you. It, it happened to me. This, uh, every day it happens to me. But this past week I was in Walmart uh, getting more supplies for the tornado victims through funds that you've given and, and God bless you, we've been able to, to give over $2,000 worth of aid to our local families that were affected by the tornadoes here locally, and we didn't have to come up here and beg for a second offering. It's through monies you've already given, and we thank you for that. But I was in line at Walmart, and I was getting some gift cards and stuff for some of the families, and, and this young lady in her late 20s, somewhere in that area behind me, had a buggy of stuff. Wasn't a ton of stuff, but as she laid it up on the counter, she started taking things back, and I'm noticing that. And this is being aware. And I'm not saying this for me. I just want to show you. And, and so I, I'd already prayed that morning, God helped me know that connection. And as soon as she started taking stuff off, I'm going, something's wrong. And, 
And then she began to apologize to the cashier. I'm sorry, ma'am, I, I brought too much up here. I realize how much money I have, and my husband's working out of town, and, and I'm taking care of his father, my, my, my stepfather, or my father-in-law, who, who's ill, and, and, and I just don't have the cash to pay for all this, so I'm sorry. I'll just have to put it back in the buggy. And, and we're talking in the 20s of dollars, okay? We're not talking about hundreds of dollars. And, and, and I didn't want to do anything at that point. I failed a check to not embarrass her because there's a long line of people. And, and so I went and got in my truck, and I waited for her to come out. And as soon as she came out, I pulled over by her, and and you know, and, and I'm just introduced myself. I'm, my name is Dan Livingston. I'm a pastor of church right up the road here, and and I, I was right in front of you in line. I just heard you telling your story, and I first I want to just say thank you for taking care of your father-in-law. It's an awesome thing that you're doing. But I I heard you say you didn't have cash to pick up the things you really really needed today, and and I just gave her about 25 bucks. No big deal on that. But I added the something extra to show you God loves your cards that we have back there. And I said, it's not even about the money, ma'am. It's about God just wanted me to come by today to let you know that he still loves you and he's watching for you. And she began to sob. I don't mean cry. I mean sob. Now I'm worried because I'm afraid somebody's going to come beat me up. You know, I got this woman crying in Walmart parking lot. And I mean, she ain't crying. She's boo-hooing. And I'm thinking, they think we're fighting or something. I'm like, calm down. It's okay. It's okay. You know, I'm calming her down. We got the door open with her father-in-law right there. And he's an old, frail guy. And, you know, and I got this woman crying. It's half my age. And I'm like, this ain't good. And I'm calming her down, and she's like, you don't understand. She said, you don't understand. She said, it's not the money, sir. She said, just to know that he's still watching me. Yes. Just to know that he still cares. And I got to ask her, and I said, ma'am, I'm, I'm not here today putting pressure on you, but are you a Christian? Do you know Jesus? Because that's really what this is about. And he just wanted me to come by to let you know that he still loves you. And she said, I used to be. I used to be in church, but no, I'm not. And I said, would you like to pray now? And she goes, oh, would I? And, and I got to hold her hand and her father-in-law's hand and pray for him for healing. And, and she gave her heart to Jesus in Walmart parking lot. And, and, and I didn't pressure them to come to church. I didn't go, now you need to come to my church. I just said, if you're looking for a church family that will love you and embrace you in life, I've got one for you. But just make sure you get in church somewhere. And what is that? You're just being aware. That's all I'm trying to show. I'm not trying to put that on me. I just want you to understand. Just be aware. It could be at a gas pump. It could be at a Walmart parking lot. It could be in your office complex when you're working and you look at somebody's face and it tells you their story immediately that you jump to that opportunity that I want to just tell you what Jesus has done for me. You're aware of the people that surround you. Jesus said it. He said, it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who what? Bring good news. How beautiful are the feet of them who bring good news. Can I tell you, we have beautiful feet, but sometimes we still have smelly socks. Because how many besides me just don't do it right all the time and don't live it right all the time? And don't feel it all the time. Why, why are you putting that smelly socks things in there? Because if you only wait until you feel it to do it, you won't do it 90% of the time. But I don't share Jesus because I'm perfect. I share him because he is. And so we got to come and understand today, just be aware of people in 2 Corinthians. The Apostle Paul said, so we are Christ ambassadors. Another one to throw in on your notes there. We are Christ ambassadors. You know what ambassador means? It means a representative of a higher power. And that's what you and I are. We're not out there representing ourselves. We're not representing the Transformation Church, though I'm proud of our church. We're out there representing a higher power, Jesus. And he says, we are Christ ambassadors. God is making his appeal to your sphere of influence through us. 
that we represent a power higher than us and through us, he wants to appeal to those that are around us in the sphere of influence that he's given us every day. Are you getting it? And so look at the picture. Be aware of the people that are around you. And in 1 Corinthians 3, 6, it says, my work was to plant the seed in your hearts, and Apollo's work was to water it, but it was God, not we, who made the garden grow in your hearts. That, that God's saying, you may be the one that plants the first seed in someone's life. I, I wasn't the seed planter in that young lady. Someone else had planted that seed years ago, but weeds had come in and tore it up and took over, and, and somebody had watered it, but I, I got to go in and till some ground. You with me? And, and get that thing going again, growing again. That's all my part. I didn't plant the seed or get it going. I got to go get some weeds out and let's rebirth that thing. And it doesn't matter where you fit in that journey, just be doing something that's impacting people's lives. Be aware, find out where people are spiritually, where are they in that journey, and then take them to the next level. Do your part, amen? And so number two, so number one is you gotta be aware. Be aware of the people that are around you. Number two is pray daily. Pray daily for the spiritually lost. As you're, you're believing God to impact your sphere of influence, here's four things I want you to pray every day over the people because how many right now could go ahead and think of 10, 20 people in your sphere of influence you know don't know Jesus today? And I want you to do this prayer, and I pray this prayer daily. These four steps I pray daily as a pastor of this church, over this community. I walk in between these chair seats all the time praying. We have Tuesday morning prayer here at 6 o'clock with the church. We have Saturday every Saturday at 9 o'clock here. We walk through this place, and, but here's the four things we pray. Number one is pray that the Father would draw them to Jesus. No man comes to the Father unless he's drawn by the Holy Spirit. And so the first thing I want you to do is begin to pray. Begin to pray. I'm getting ahead of myself because at the end of the service, on your notes, you'll find out on the back page, I left half a page empty. And that's on purpose because I want you to begin to write down the name of 20 people you know in your sphere of influence that don't know Jesus right now. And I want you to begin to pray over those 20 people every day that the Father will begin to draw them to him. And then the second thing is pray against the spirit that blinds their minds. The Apostle Paul tells he said, pray against the spirit that blinds their minds. Because how many knows those that don't know Jesus so they are blinded by the enemy? And you need to pray against that. That God, the Holy Spirit, will open their eyes to the truth. Number three is pray that believers will cross their path and enter into positive relationships with them in Matthew 9, 38. Pray that other people will come into their path, especially as their family. Because how many's found this out? There's certain people in your world, you can tell them something a hundred times. Somebody else can walk by and they'll go, really? Never heard that before in my life. Right? Especially our children, right? And so pray. Pray for them that not only are you speaking into their world, but God's sending somebody else into their path. Number four is pray that a revelation of who Jesus is will be made real to them, what he's done for them, that they, they'll see the picture of what God has done and is in their life. Number three is demonstrate that you really care. Demonstrate that you really do care and understand the power of that. And here, here's the thing. People don't care what you know. They want to know that you care. People aren't impressed on how many scriptures I can give them. They just want to know, do I care about them? 
That's why Jesus fed people before he preached. That's why he made sure their tangible needs were met before he shared the gospel because he wanted them to know he cared about them before they would listen to what he had to say. And I want to tell you something. The people in your sphere of influence, before they hear what you have to say, they want to see that you believe it and that you care about them. And so show that you care. Demonstrate that you care. There, there's a story there in your notes about Zacchaeus, and read that because Jesus is speaking one day, and this little guy, he's so short, he can't see over the crowd, so he climbs up a tree to see Jesus, and, and he's a tax collector. He's ripped people off. He's known with bad image in town, and, and Jesus sees him hanging up in a tree, and he says, hey, Zach, he said, dude, I'm going to come to your house today, and we're going to hang out at your house, and and so Zacchaeus comes down, Jesus goes to his house, and just being with Jesus, he, he all of a sudden goes, you know what, I got a life change. He told Jesus, I'm going I'm to make things right with everybody I've crooked, and, and everybody I do wrong, I'm going to give them extra back in return. And God said, that's life change, you're converted. And the religious crowd got mad because Jesus went to a sinner's house instead of theirs. Maybe that's the lesson we need to learn too. Don't just spin your world around people who already believe. Get into the world of those that don't believe yet. Number four, and I close with this one, is always be prepared to share. Always be prepared to share. This is one that's freaked people out, so I'm going to help eliminate some of that off of you today. Because when you become aware, we said first things, you got to be aware of the people around you. Number two, when you begin to pray the four prayers that I just shared with you, and you really begin to care about people, you will have the opportunity to share. It just brings it into your world and into your life. And if you don't feel confident sharing, maybe you do. If you feel confident sharing you're the total faith and you've got someone and you're going to bring them to Christ and pray them through the sinner's prayer and you, you feel confident doing all, do it. Please do it. And I hope more of us feel confident doing that over time as we work at it. And if you don't feel confident doing that, just give them an invite. Make impact through invite because it all starts with an invite. And I want to challenge every one of us in this room to step out and make that step of faith. First Peter says, always, and here's the scripture that we so misunderstood and abused in the church and has turned people off of sharing their faith, where it says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks. How many's heard that? And it stops right there, doesn't it? No, it don't. And boy, that freaks us out because we're like, I don't know if I'm going to have all the answers to every question they ask. I don't know if I'm going to know all the scriptures that they're going to want to talk about. I, I don't know if I'm going to be able to give an answer to everything that they bring up. That's not what he said at all. He said, be ready to give an answer to those who ask you to give reason for the hope that you have. He didn't say be prepared to give an answer to every question they've got. He said, be ready to give an answer to the hope that you already have what I've seen, what I've heard, what I know to be real. This is my side of the story. That's all he said to be ready to give an answer for is what I've already done in your life. You don't have to have the answer to everybody's problem. You just need to be ready to tell your side of the story because you let them find Jesus and he'll solve their problems. He didn't ask me to be the problem solver. He asked me to go tell my side of the story. Are you with me today? And that has hindered many in the church from going out and being a witness because we feel like, well, if I start sharing Jesus, they're going to ask me all these religious questions and I don't know the answer, so I ain't saying nothing. He didn't ask you to know all the answers. He just said, be responsible for your story. Be faithful with it. 
Then in Acts, he says, the most important thing, the most important thing, say that with me, the most important thing is that I complete my mission, the work that the Lord Jesus gave me, what? To tell people the good news of God's grace. Can I tell you today, the most important thing, the most important thing that I can leave with you today is the same message. Go impact the lives of other people with the message of the good news of God's grace. Don't be afraid to do it. Just tell your side of the story. And here's what we're challenging you to do. On your notes, how many wants to see March, us see more people come to Christ in these next few weeks as we prepare for Easter? How many of you have family you want to see come to Jesus? How many of you have coworkers and neighbors and, and associates and a sphere of influence that you know aren't going to heaven if Jesus come back today? You know they're empty and they're hurting. What I want you to do is take those notes. Keep those notes all month. And on that back page, I want you to go ahead and just, you don't have to do it right now. Don't have to do it all day, but go ahead and get 10, 20 names of people that you want to see come to Christ between now and Easter. And I want you to write their name down. And then here's what I want you to do. On the way out today, we got hundreds of these, and I'll get thousands if you'll give them out. But I don't want you to just throw them to the wind. Because there's a proven fact that if you hand somebody something while you're making the invite, it has five to 10 times more effect because now they have something to take home. And I want you to write down 20 names of people that you want to see get saved between now and Easter. And I want you to get their number, their phone number, and put it down. And even when you invite them, you give them an invite card, and I would love for you to be my guest. I just want you to come to Easter service with me because most of them are going to go somewhere. And just say, I want you to be my guest. I want to give you a card. And we're going to have cotton candy. We're going to have popcorn out there in between every service. We're going to have paint, uh, face painting going on out there. We're going to be baptizing people in between every service. It's going to be an exciting time. We do it every Easter. It's going to be a blast out there. We're going to be preaching Jesus in here. They're going to be testimonies, amazing video testimonies to some of our families here in the story that God, what God has done in their life. It's going to be a short message of salvation. We're going to watch many come to know Jesus, and your job's going to be this. Invite, get their name, get their phone number, ask them to be your guests, and then tell them the week before Easter, I'm going to call you and remind you. And on that Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday, if that's week before Easter, you call them and say, don't forget, you're going to be my, don't ask them, are you coming? No, don't forget, you're going to be my guest Sunday. And you get them in church with you. And we'll do it from there. Is that fair enough? So get some of these and go out and do that. And then here's the last thing I ask you to do on that part. Because there's no greater feeling than on that Sunday, whatever Sunday it is, don't have to be Easter, when you've got that person next to you, that you know is not saved, and they sit through a worship service, they hear a simple message about Jesus, and I ask people to bow their heads and close their eyes, and you do, but you peek. Because you want to know. And I ask for people to raise their hand and you just want to see and, and all of a sudden you look over and your friend's got their hand raised and tears are coming down their cheek. They're praying a sinner's prayer. I want to tell you, there's no drug, there's no alcohol, there's no thrill out there can give you the high that that gives you right there of knowing that God has used me to impact somebody's life for eternity. And I want to see hundreds happen like that. So I want to challenge you. Get those 20 names. Get their phone number. Contact them. Take them to lunch. Do whatever you got to do and say, I want you to come with me and get them here on that Sunday. And then those that do raise their hand and they do accept Jesus, I want to ask you, 
Bring them to Grow Track that next week. Walk them through the next three weeks of Grow Track so you know that they got on the right path. And they got there. I pray that every one of you have to go to Grow Track every month. Because you're bringing your new people, making sure that they get on the right path. And they're going and their purpose and their calling in God. And if you've never been to Grow Track, tonight's the 101, the first one. And so I'd love you to come and be with me. And Pastor Brad will tell you more about that in just a moment. But if you've never been, come out tonight. It's amazing. We want to help you find your purpose, your calling in God in Jesus' name. How many receive God's word today? You receive it? Amen. Amen. Bow your heads with me, please. Father, I just thank you today for your great love and your great grace in our life. And I pray over these that are here right now, those that are online watching us via the internet, that God, you would just come today and saturate us in your grace and in your love. Right now, with every head bowed and eyes closed, and you can peek if you want to. But if you're here today and you say, Pastor Dan, you know what? I don't want to wait to Easter. Maybe you're online. I don't want to wait to Easter, Pastor. I need to get things right with Jesus today. I'm not a bad person. I'm just not in a good place spiritually. But today I want to change that. And I recognize today he loves me right where I am. I just want you to pray a prayer for me. I'm not going to point you out. I'm not going to come to you. I just want to pray a simple prayer for you. If that's you, would you just lift a hand right where you're sitting here today and say, I need Jesus in my life. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. You can lower your hand once you raise anyone else. That's me today, Pastor. That's me. I'm just ready for that decision. Pray this prayer with me across the building via live stream as we pray it. We're going to pray it with you so you're not alone. Say, Dear Jesus, I come to you now. You said in your word, if I would come to you, confess with my mouth that you are Lord. Believe in my heart that you raised from the dead. I can be saved. So right now, I come to you. I confess with my mouth that you are Lord. I believe in my heart that you raised from the dead. And I receive you as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, according to your word, I'm saved. I'm a new person in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, we give God a big thank you for these that have prayed today.